0: for calling
1: drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater that's why to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater we present the following guide for parents and young people X, no one under 17 admitted
2: Uh, might be a little echoey move a bunch of stuff out of my office What's that uh because we have some stuff stored in here and then i bought new media shelves for the giant collection of dvds that i have oh yeah and uh i have one more shelf put together here and uh then i can start moving my D- dvds and stuff in here that's cool so Yeah, I'm already worried I'm not going to have enough room.
3: Yeah, I was getting ready to say, what are the odds that you actually have enough
2: shelves? Well, the ones I bought... I'm giving it two to one against. ones I bought, I should have about 2,000 space for about 2,000 Mm Blu-rays.
1: That's assuming you're not... None of your Blu-rays are in, like, special cases.
2: But I do still have some DVDs as well. Mm -hmm. So... See, there is there is room on top of the shelves.
3: And I you're think. a psychopath, so we can assume that about 1 in 15 is a steel book or something.
2: Uh don't do really do steel books. I mean I'll, I'll buy one. I'm not like, oh fucking steel books, but I don't I don't seek them out. I think I have like two or three in my entire collection. the biggest thing uh, I have is the Superman collection. Which came in a giant steel tin. Nice, But it's super tall I don't even think it's going to fit on the shelves To build special edition
1: on your house for that one
2: It's going to have to lay somewhere Away from my shelves And I'm not going to enjoy it <laughs>
3: how, about, how about that Hell Racer trailer guys?
2: Yeah I believe we talked about it last week
3: Yeah <laughs> Keep watching it again and again I'm excited
2: <laughs> It looks good how, how about that fucking Deadpool trailer God damn
3: it. Ryan Ryan fucking Reynolds, man. The dude is a fucking marketing genius. Like, on some other fucking level. Every, I, I everyone really want, should hire him to make their commercials.
1: What I really want to have happen right now is for these two to keep it up for the next year. And then Wolverine just be a cameo in the movie. Just a little, like... <laughs> Just, just have him walk in, like, at an inopportune time and say, well, I did promise everyone I'd be here, and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be the best thing ever. Everybody in the world would be so pissed except for just, Doug. Oh, it'd be amazing. Like, I, I want him in, like, the full, like, costume and everything. Like, comic-accurate costume walks on and says, well, I promised everyone I'd be here, and then he leaves.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was I was going to say, I can almost guarantee... He's gonna be in one of the two classic costumes that everybody was always asking for that they never got.
1: I think so. I think we're gonna get the yellow costume. That's my guess. Yeah, so, not the yeah, brown. Yeah, the brown.
3: One? The brown and orange, or the yellow and blue. One of the two.
2: I think it'll be yellow blue. I think that's the more iconic of the two. Uh, so I just sent you guys a screenshot of fucking Facebook. Mm-hmm. Somebody posted an article headline says, Kevin Sorbo thinks he'd win an Oscar if he played an Islamic
1: pedophile terrorist. Jesus fucking Christ. Fucking Kevin Sorbo, man. I don't know why that guy can't keep his mouth shut. It's like you're not even really famous anymore. You were on one of those weird shows that somehow everybody watched, but nobody watched. And then that's it. (laughs) It's like you were Hercules. If you swore to shut up, you could (laughs) have went to conventions and probably lived comfortably. Yeah, I assume he made enough money on Hercules, he doesn't have to do anything
3: else. Well, between Hercules and Andromeda, I mean, Andromeda was on for a while, too.
1: Yeah, it's true. Those weird syndicated shows from that time period are so strange to me. Like, I don't like Hercules and Xena. There's a whole bunch of them. And I'm like, I don't know anyone who actually watched them, but everybody I know watched them. If you know what I mean? Like, it's. Yeah. And if and if I understand correctly, those
3: weird low-budget Jesus bullshit fucking movies he makes,
1: mm-hmm.
3: that actors on those actually make bank. Oh, really? I don't even really know what he does,
1: to be honest.
3: Well, it's just because the budgets—apparently the budgets are so low that whenever they start bringing in money, it's all just pure profit. And typically they've got the same deal that everyone else has where they make, you know, a point or whatever on the back end.
1: Okay, because they're
2: all about all about God, so you don't have to actually put anything of any substance in these movies.
3: Right,
1: just like in real life. There. That was a happy start to our podcast this week. Yeah. everyone's in a good mood. Everybody tried yeah. to bring up yeah. good stuff, and then we just didn't say. say nope, no, 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 we're not. Nobody no, can no, be no. happy. I don't want to hear about no, it. No, no, no. no. Going to say trying trying to talk
3: about all this good stuff, and you bring fucking Kevin Sorbo into the mix. <sighs> yep.
2: My job here is done. Should we talk about Doug's movies for this week?
1: Doug's movies, I didn't. Get movie. Kevin Sorbo.
2: Well,
1: so oh, you're <laughs> you're putting together a theme month. Kevin Serbo wasn't alive when these movies came out, just so we're clear. Don't blame the this. No. I think my grandmother was. I Don't know that for sure. I'm not bad at math. I'm not gonna try to do it on air. Uh hey no, do you want to tell us about Dracula?
3: Yeah, so it's,
2: it's Dracula. All right. <laughs> Doug, do you want to tell us about Frankenstein? Um, yeah, everyone's seen it. Nothing left to say. We're done here. Right. What, what has everybody else <laughs> watched since <the> last time?
3: <laughs> All right. I'm, I mean, Dracula, you know, Bola Lugosi. Doing doing the Dracula thing? I mean, do, do I really need to go through the plot of Dracula? If everyone doesn't know what the plot
1: of Dracula is at this point, I'm gonna <laughs> well, lose my
3: fucking mind. We've, we've already covered 30 Dracula
1: movies. Why don't we why don't we concentrate on what are like the differences between this one and the other versions that we've discussed in the past and the the actual book and all that?
3: Yeah, I was gonna Let's say go the biggest way. the biggest difference of this version specifically is that Renfield's the one that goes to the castle instead of Jonathan Harker.
1: Yeah, it's sort of weird. They kind of combine the Renfield storyline and the Harker storyline from the original. Um, right. So it's Renfield ends up still playing the Renfield role of the insane guy in the asylum, but it's him that we follow over there, and it's him that we meet Dracula through and all that. He's our kind of point of view character for the first part of the film, which is interesting. Harker has a much more diminished role in this, which is strange because he's yeah. like a main character of the the book and the other adaptations. Yeah, he is a- did i drop out no i think brian dropped yeah. out did i yeah you went kind of robot-y and then so I, I have no idea what you said and what got recorded there yeah. yeah say that again
2: uh that he had concerned about me <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah wait stop 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 not an improvement you're all robot-y <laughs> <laughs> oh man you might want to try exiting out and coming back in. You're all you're all right until you start talking.
1: <laughs> Which is the important <laughs> bit. I got odd and ammo of that, so I think he yelled, God damn it. But <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So what happens if he drops out? Will it stop recording since he's the one recording? I don't know. He doesn't seem to be dropping out. He will not take our advice. He may be explaining to us why he's not dropping out right now. We just can't hear him. <laughs>
3: i don't know while he's gone let's talk about how sexy dracula's brides are in this movie
1: for a 1931 movie they kind of are like it's
3: they really are With those big long flowy dresses to you
1: yeah it's something else the whole opening sequence when we're in the castle is so good like even just those first shots of like the hand coming out of the casket and like the cutaways to like the bugs and insects and bats and shit it's really well done um I kept thinking about how like like, Toby Hooper in like 1974 gets all this credit for creating creepy atmosphere. Here we are in 1931 and Todd Browning's using basically the same filmmaking technique of like, we're not going to show too much. We're going to cut away to these weird, gross things that we know will make people feel uneasy, even though they're not really relevant plot wise. We don't need to see the bugs around Dracula's castle. We get close-ups of them anyway.
3: I always find, the the thing I find fascinating is, so these early 30s movies, the just the fact that they're pre-movie code. Yeah. So it's just, it's fascinating how uh, kind of unleashed they are. Yeah, they're still 1930s, so there's still some uh, repressed nature to them. But nowhere near as bad as movies that would be made five or 10 years later.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, they're of their era and you have to take that into account every time you watch anything from that era. Um, because you know, they, they, they just are what they are. People spoke a certain way. The acting style is different. For some reason, everybody has to wear a suit at all times, which I'm pretty sure they everyone wasn't in the 1930s, but everybody in the movies has to, um, you know, you got to get used to all that. But these first few Universal Classics are surprisingly dark movies. Like having people go insane, having, you know, the bites on the neck shown in this movie are things that I think wouldn't happen a few years later because they'd wanted to hold back from them. Right. And we get one of the best Renfields. I really like Renfield in this. Um the the performance, like everyone talks about Bella Lugosi's performance and justifiably so. But the actor who plays Renfield, and I don't know his name, is really solid. Like, he's really good. And I like the way that he can escape his cell at any time. And they just have him wandering around the asylum, just being a pain in the ass, but not actually running away. I think I think my two
3: favorite Renfields is this Renfield and the Renfield played by the guy from Ghostbusters 2 in Dracula Dead and Loving It.
1: All <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> we won't be getting to that one this month Life, Sorry, lives um yeah no I, I, I for some reason I never think about him when I think about this movie but he really stands out uh, His acting is head and shoulders above he has that creepy look in his face oh but yeah I,
3: he does he does so good going from the character that he is at the beginning of the movie to the character who he is shortly after uh, Dracula's Taint.
1: Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, the the change is surprising because really, acting style of the day doesn't account for a change. Most of the people are just doing a caricature for the entire time, and uh, he's a uh, he really does. He puts on a salt uh, the best performance in really. These early Universal Classics, maybe up until Lon Chaney and the Wolfman. It's hard to say without rewatching everything, but really, really, really good.
3: Yeah. You know, I always forget how spread out the Universal Classics are. Yeah. Because I was looking at the timeline to be like, you know what? I can't remember what the exact release order is. And it's just crazy to think that Dracula is 1931. And then what the Creature from the Black Lagoon movies are in the 60s. Uh, late 50s I think
1: yeah. yeah it's funny and it's like like there was there were Dracula and Frankenstein movies coming out throughout the whole time too it's really strange to see it's like Hollywood has always been Hollywood right so they just kept making sequels and then when it wasn't quite working they started like um, rebooting and stuff and it's just it's really funny to watch and then they just started doing the versus stuff and all that building their universal uh, cinematic universe i don't know i don't know how long until brian's coming back so we'll
3: he's he's he's, re- he's restarting his computer
1: oh did you send something okay um yeah so one of the things i would say about this movie is for a dracula story it really feels confined and um constricted if that makes sense in the sense that it feels set bound and it feels like we don't get to spend much time with the characters other than their immediate interactions with Dracula, if that makes sense. Um, so we're like, we basically have the opening in the castle, which is a beautiful set, but we spend a lot of time there. And then by the time we get to the asylum, it's just, that's it. Like we, you know, we spend the rest of the movie in that one, one or two rooms really. And uh, that kind of, I don't know, Dracula, like the original book and most of the other versions feel so epic that this feels kind of constrained in comparison. Yeah, I, I
3: suppose the big difference is that uh, due to the time frame this movie came out, like horror movies didn't exist. yeah. And so technically this, I mean, I i think even technically this isn't considered a horror movie because um, I, mean, I can't remember what the first one that's actually considered to be the first so, one uh, where genre, you know what I mean, where it was actually called horror movie.
1: I know, I think Frankenstein uses the word horror in their marketing and that was the same year as this, um, but I don't. This is yeah, like I, I just I mean, whether we consider this a horror film or not, it's definitely got scary elements to it. It's got the, you know, the most famous monster in cinema history. Um, so it's hard to argue that it's not even if that's not what they called it through that.
3: Did we mention how fucking great Bela Lugosi is? Damn it. God damn I so fucking love Bela
1: Lugosi. <laughs> the thing is, it's it's a bit of a cheesy performance by today's standards. But I just love how committed he is to the role. Like every line of dialogue and that look on his face the whole time is so good. And his reactions are so like over the top, which is, I mean, it's a stage performance. That's what you get, right? Um, Because this is actually technically not an adaptation of the novel. It's an adaptation of the play, which is an adaptation of the novel. Um, So you you get that over the top response, but it's so fun. When When Van Helsing pulls the mirror out on him. And he just flips out. I fucking love that moment.
3: He's got that great. His fucking voice is awesome, too. Yeah. I could just listen to him talk all day.
1: Yep. Yeah. And Browning really uses the his appearance to his advantage. The way he does the close-ups on the face and on the, the eyes, but with shadows over the rest of the face. So you, the eyes stand out. I really like those shots. They're really cool. They really just... I don't know. There's something about the way he doesn't blink as they says he stares into the camera and there's just the shadow covering half his face. Uh, I, I imagine to a 1930 o- audience, it was probably scary as hell. Like, I can't imagine, like, if you'd never heard of a horror movie before, maybe you have or haven't read the book, but most people probably hadn't. Right. They probably do it by reputation and maybe they'd seen Nosferatu. There's a chance, but probably not. And then all of a sudden you just like Saturday afternoon go and there's just this guy staring deadpan into the camera, you know, and, and the way he delivers the dialogue, like even right at the beginning when he's like, you know, I never drink wine. And you're just like, because he drinks blood, like, you know, you can just imagine what that <laughs> did to an audience that wasn't used to this sort of thing. It'd be really interesting to to be able to like time travel back and see how people reacted to stuff like that, because it's now it's I mean, vampires are just they're they're sparkly you know morons and tween girl movies um they're not you know this mythical like never before seen thing that they would have been to audiences back then
3: uh, if only if only to have experienced it at the beginning i bet it was great even yeah. like D- dracula yes i think frankenstein more so
1: maybe i agree um little side note like uh, I went a few years ago. My ex took me to a, a double screening of Dracula and Frankenstein, and she knew nothing about like what she was getting into. I'm like, you understand these are black and white movies, right? Like it's you know, it was it was that level of her just right. not knowing. She was just trying to be nice, and uh, so I got to watch a complete newbie's reaction to these two films. And um, you know, Dracula, she thought was pretty cheesy and corny and harmless. But like Frankenstein, the the infamous scene where he tosses the little girl in the lake, like she let out an audible gasp when that happened. Like,
3: I was do, like, do you know which print it was that
1: you guys were watching? I don't know which print now.
3: You know, there's a, there's like three or four different versions of Frankenstein.
1: Yeah. But really, all I know is with the famous deleted scene or not deleted scene and. Nobody would show the one with the with the scene not in it anymore. So. Right, right,
3: right. Well, and the uh, the line at the beginning is garbled in one version. Which line's that? Like the the now I know what it feels like to be God. Oh, okay. W- when they started censoring movies, they had that censored. Oh, really? Basi- yeah. So basically, they played the uh, the castle thunder sound over that line. So you couldn't hear it. And then because of the way shit worked back then where they didn't keep the audio masters and things, that line actually kind of got lost for a really long time until they found someone who had an original theatrical print to pull the sound off of and restore it.
1: Okay. That's that's interesting. I don't think I knew that. I've, I imagine I've seen both versions over the years, but the every, every time I've watched it recently, it's been a clearer line. So... By the time it hit DVD and shit, they had that fixed. So,
3: yeah, and we'll and we'll get into Frankenstein more when we get to it. I was going to say I think the difference is maybe Frankenstein is a better story, but I think maybe Drac uh, Dracula is a prettier
1: film. I agree. Like I agree, Dracula is um, one of the advantages to having its feeling so staged and so set in like a few locations is that every location is gorgeous to look at and i think it's brighter um so you're actually enjoying all the details in the set and all that as you're watching it and it 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 does feel like they're in a real like mansion above a sanatorium which i'm not even sure if that's exactly how things worked but it it when they want it to be dirty they do a good job of making it look dirty and when they want it to be beautiful they make it do a good job of making it be beautiful and obviously like the easiest way to see that is in the opening scenes when Renfield is like creeped out and then Dracula takes him to the next room and it's a completely different environment within the same castle
3: I will, I will say this so I obviously it's a 1930s movie so we don't have a lot of right to complain about a special effect yeah like that was them fairing and shit out but man it took movies a real fucking long time to figure out how to make a bat not look fucking ridiculous
1: <laughs> the bats the bats legit look like like worse than a halloween decoration does
3: yeah like a straight up kids toy bat with yeah. a string tied around it and you're just jiggling it
1: yeah and i don't understand why they couldn't you know like like it, it doesn't seem like it would be that hard to think of the idea of like, why don't we have a couple of strings so that the, we can make the wings move like puppets had been invented by this time. It wasn't new technology. Right. <laughs> um, But I well, guess the or like,
3: just like frame the light in such a way, you know, because yeah. back then you could hide a lot of stuff just with darkness. Yeah. And, and they just chose to like put it in center frame <laughs> like <laughs>
1: i think like the, the reasoning uh, i'm i'm making this up i haven't read it anywhere or anything but like maybe the idea is like the fact that he turns into a bat is so inherently shocking and the idea of like that bat flying alongside that carriage at the beginning is just so creepy that it doesn't matter how it looks. It's the, again, the idea, we don't really see a lot of biting in this, in most of the movies from this era. We don't see like the monsters doing much. Like they tend to grab people and shake them and stuff. And I think it's because audience could still be shocked by the idea of, can you imagine this guy turns into a bat? Can you imagine this guy bites people on the neck and drains their blood? Can you imagine the idea that he fed his blood to Mina? like, we don't see that at all. Also, We're he's got a vaguely dialogue.
3: foreign accent. What country is that from?
1: Can't yeah, be trusted. <laughs> that's definitely there's an element of this story, which is that, which is <laughs> well, Eastern Europe. <laughs> they're barely even white over there. Like it's, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's just, there's just that hint of like old timey racism that's just cannot be separated from the Dracula story.
3: Oh, it's So it's so deep.
1: It's. And nobody brings it up, but there's like, there's even the element of like, when the girls are talking about him, some of them are like intrigued by it because he seems foreign and dangerous and others are creeped out by it because he seems foreign and dangerous. (laughs) And it's like, well, either, either way, that's technically like prejudice, you know, even uh, one of you at least is being nice about it, but either way, you shouldn't react that way to somebody's accent. It's not polite. I I also do find so obviously,
3: D- Dracula in general. Because I mean, even even this movie, I guess it doesn't stray too terribly far from the book. I'm not going to say it's like scene for scene the book. Oh, well, it's obviously, definitely not like you obviously because they didn't they wouldn't go that hardcore this early. But just the fact that you've seen these same scenes play out over and over and over and over and over and over over again in movies it's just it's i don't know it's it's fascinating to me how many times i've seen it reinterpreted yeah and i'll be 100 percent honest kind of like it every
0: time like
3: (laughs) well i mean it's pretty rare for dracula for me to be like oh here we go another interpretation of dracula driving the coach you know
1: yeah it's the um there's a reason why the story is iconic. And I think it's because it, it evokes an emotion that's, it's hard to explain why uh, any work of fiction can evoke the level of emotion that something like this does. But it, it just, it grabs onto people on some kind of an instinctive level. And it makes you think like, man, like, imagine that was you. Imagine you just work sent you on a trip and you just were like, all right, whatever get to go on the road for a bit, travel, see some places, fill out some paperwork. And then you get there and there's just this like creepy as fuck guy. who's just you, like, welcome. You will stay here for a month. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the changes in this version. They're just like, eh, we'll leave tomorrow. <laughs> it's like they have a, where, when, when eight? Where the fuck are we at? We're Ryan, still talking here.
3: about Dracula. All
1: right. yeah, we've been waxing on and on about it. Do you, uh, have anything you specifically want to address, Brian? Now that you're back,
2: um, honestly, I do. While I do enjoy it, I feel it's a little boring.
1: Oh, really? Um, I feel like I, a lot I, of a lot of it drags, sort of in the middle. I, I mean, I can definitely see that. Um, there's a lot of we we have actually mentioned already this, but there's a lot of stuff that's revealed through dialogue rather than being shown, and so you do get kind of a, a slower pace to the film.
2: Because I'm actually a big fan of the book, and I've always been disappointed there's not been a pretty uh, faithful adaptation of the book. Um, there's some that get close, but then I feel like they change some parts too much.
3: Well, so there's all, It feels like there's always omissions. There always is, yeah. Like, we've never got a Lord of the Rings extended cut
1: version of a <laughs> Dracula movie. What the... Uh... Yeah. What bugs you about this particular version? Uh,
2: of The uh, Renfield stuff kind of bugs me. I do like Renfield. I just wish he was his own character rather than uh, giving him the Jonathan Harker stuff at the beginning and then giving Jonathan Harker nothing to do. As I was saying before, yeah. I was so rudely kicked off by Skype.
1: <laughs> yeah. Harker is just, he's a background character in this and he's such an important part of the story. And in most iterations, it's kind of interesting to see um i feel like
3: although we were talking about the fact that the uh i can't remember his name but the actor who plays renfield in this just crushes
2: it uh, dwight fry uh, he's amazing he's good he's good in the next movie too yeah yeah he's good um i don't remember in the book
1: um nina being dr seward's daughter no that was specifically for this Yeah, that's that's a change. I don't think it hurts the story, that particular element. Um, I think I like it better from the story perspective that they're
2: like two couples that are friends. Yeah. And then Lucy starts having some problems and they can't figure out what's going on and just sort of building everything sort of around that rather than the father daughter, you know, Harker marrying into the family sort of subplot that they put into this.
1: I would take it a step further and say that one of the issues with this version is that we don't get to know the characters nearly well enough. And so we don't like when Lucy starts having issues, it's like it's not affecting the audience the way it it will in other versions, because we just haven't spent that time with her to get to know her. And you're right. Those couples, it is a. It's an easy setup, you know, two couples, young couples that are getting married and shit and we're we're just going to hang out with them and they're having fun. It's an easy way to get to know them and to relate to them. Everybody's sort of been through that at some point.
3: Do, Do you guys find that it's interesting that after seeing a thousand adaptations of Dracula and having read the book many, many years ago and all that kind of stuff in my head, the characters of Lucy and Mina are just so fucking interchangeable? Because they just arbitrarily swap their names in a lot
1: of adaptations. Yeah, it's it's funny because they in the book they're such different characters, um, and then they're, like they're very distinct, and that's what makes that's part of what makes them interesting. And then the different we're going to go over it over the course of this month, we're going to talk about different versions where it's like oh that's it's almost like people just didn't care, and I don't know if it's like an old timey, like lack of respect for female characters or what it is that caused that to happen. Once I, they started making film, I would
3: 100% think it's that.
1: Yep. It, it, sure.
3: I mean, and then later it evolved from being the, uh, they don't have separate personalities cause they's just women's to Lucy's a whore and meanest pure and innocent. <laughs>
1: like <laughs> See, they, they divided them into two of the stereotypes. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> And for some reason in my head, and
2: I think this may be something I picked up from other movies rather than the book. But Ben Helsing should be like this is larger than life character. And I feel like in this adaptation, he's just.
1: They just gave him an accent in this version. Yeah. Um, it's just so like, like It's funny because. It, we were talking before you jump back on about how it's kind of racist that they're just like Dracula has an accent and he's from far away. So everyone's just inherently creeped out by him. And that, that, but they're also take advantage of the racism where they're like, they give Van Helsing an accent that I think makes him instinctively sound smart. Sort of the way we would all react if Van Helsing spoke with a, uh, a British accent today. So that it is, I, I do again, I can't, I can't think of passages from the book or anything to help back this up, but he did feel bigger to me. Like, and I think like other versions of him have been portrayed that way in film as well.
3: Yeah. I was going to say, and once, once again, with the exception of the bats, uh, this movie is so visually stunning. I think if you took this movie and just randomly took any random frame of it, and blew it up into like a painting and stuck it on the wall. You'd be like, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. There's Listen. there's a lot of scenes where you could do that. Yeah. Um, yes.
2: Oh, by the way, breaking news. I made an appointment to, to hit the bathroom while I was off while I was waiting for my computer. Oh, thank stuff. you,
3: thank you for letting us know. Is this, uh, this going to involve
2: blood? Uh, apparently, Coolio has passed away. So I
1: don't know. I okay. First of all i'm not sure how that relates to our dracula discussion second of all i'm not sure why we had to hear about you going to the bathroom in order to find out about coolio uh, i
2: just want to let everybody know i was on my phone for a second
1: right. i wasn't i wasn't
3: paying day. attention because i've been spending most of my life
2: living in a gangster's paradise that's right uh what else i had another point i completely forgot what it was oh, oh i think bella lugosi looks cool as dracula in this like there's definitely stuff from this movie that if you take a single frame and put it up, you're okay. like, that's a piece of artwork. It looks amazing. Sometimes some of his acting is a little stiff and stilted, which I get because they did this as a play before this movie.
1: Yeah. They technically,
2: something in the yeah, play he's, he's,
1: he's giving a stage performance, um, okay, which yeah. I, I happen to really enjoy, but it's definitely that he's doing exactly what he would have done on stage. Yeah. Look, Lugosi goes big. I think we can all accept.
3: We can all accept that. That's in all of his movies, too. Lugosi doesn't do yeah. subtle.
2: He's a little uh, I guess. Um, whereas, like, when we get to the Wolfman, like, I think he does a great performance in the movie. And even as uh, the Frankenstein movie, what character did he play? Because <laughs> of the- Played like a, played like an I don't know what his name is.
3: Yeah, was that in *Son of Frankenstein*? Maybe.
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah, I can't. I can't recall all the Frankenstein's. They tend to blur together after the first two. Yeah, I like his performance there. Just feel like when it's, it's, when it's, when it's, again, he looks amazing. Like I see again, for me, like. like because i watched this and uh, sorry i mean to cut you off there but yeah like the way the way i see it is i just love that he's committed to the role i love that he i love the facial expressions that he gives right into the camera i love the fucking when he goes big like the that we talked about it before too already but that reaction when they show him the mirror i just it's such an overreaction (laughs) that i just love it and I don't know. I, I guess I'm being forgiving of it because it's of the era and because I know yeah. that it is this is a copy of a copy. This is an adaptation of a play, which is the adaptation of the book. So that's why a lot of these changes have been made is because we're where this is kind of the multiplicity of its era where they just for sure. You know,
2: it just it sounds like I don't like the movie. I do like the movie. It's just if we're gonna talk about the stuff we didn't like in the movie, and this is the stuff no. we have to kind of bring up. But
1: no, and and absolutely I am not even saying you're wrong about it. I'm just saying like yeah. for me, you know, I'm making excuses for it. <laughs> Cause I'm for an sure. apologist for the universal classics and that's all there is well,
3: to it. It's it's fascinating that if if you were to have me rank the universal monster folks by which ones I think are like the best movies. I think Dracula falls way toward the bottom. It does for me too. And, um, but I think if you asked me of the universal monsters, which movies, the most iconic, it's Dracula,
1: which is weird because it's basically the first, right? I don't know. Like these two, this one, Frank's am him saying came out the first year, but there, I think Dracula is the one that people like that was the first <laughs> scary monster that most people knew.
2: For, for you youngins out there, this movie is like the Iron Man of the Universal Monster movies. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they planted that flag hard. Um, I think for me, part of it is the Dracula character being as purely evil as he is in this um, is not relatable to most people. Most people aren't <laughs> pure evil. Most of the audience isn't, you know. Um when we'll get into it with the frankenstein monster and most of the ones that came afterwards were always a lot more sympathetic and i think that that's why to me those are better movies because you were enjoying them from the monster's perspective as well as from the victim's perspective
2: and i don't know if we're going to get into it this month since you haven't clued us in on the movies which is fine but like i think that's why i like christopher lee's dracula so much better because he does come off as this like proper and distinguished like count but then when he goes yeah. in full Dracula mode he goes completely animalistic which I think is fantastic.
3: Yeah but he's no Blackula screaming into a neck with
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a solid point. I was a little disappointed when I was putting this month together. I'm like oh imagine if we kept Blackula and Franken Black and Blackenstein <laughs> for this month. <laughs> That's all right. We can just re-release the episodes it's fine. Yeah just <laughs> Time saver. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. Like, I think what I'm, the impression I'm getting from all of us here is that we all like this movie. Um, we all don't rank it as high as some of the other classics of its era. Is that fair? Agreed. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I don't, I cannot imagine a person who enjoys enjoys movies for the sake of movies not liking dracula i just can't like you might be a little bored by it you might have complaints about it but you should probably at the end of the movie be like
1: yeah, yeah i like <laughs> oh, <think Josie>. so. <laughs> no and, and i think like like purists are going to point out that it's such a reduced version of the story that it's um it's problematic if if you're a huge fan of the Dracula lore, but you have to just remember you're watching a movie from 1931. It's, they had to figure this out, how to get this into an hour 14 and hour 14 is actually a long running time for a movie from back then. So,
3: and if you've, and if you've seen this version a few times and you're like, I don't want to rewatch that. If you haven't ever watched Spanish Dracula, you should probably watch
2: Spanish Dracula. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh,
2: don't remember why i liked that one more but i remember enjoying it
3: a lot just
1: feels classier because you got to read it maybe
3: uh, well there's a, there's more to it i don't know it's something about because it's i mean it's the same fucking movie yeah something yeah. about the delivery is better i don't which is crazy to say because bella is so fucking awesome
1: brian doesn't think so i don't know
2: if we ever get to uh, Abbott and Costello, maybe I'll uh, <laughs> praise his performance.
1: Like, I almost I almost put some Abbott and Costello on this month's list. <laughs> Decided against it last minute. I, I so, will say uh, like, one
3: thing we should be grateful for. And that is uh, due to arguments about the script that Bela Lugosi was not Frankenstein.
1: <laughs> yeah, um... Well, I mean, we can transition into Frankenstein right now if you guys want, like, talk about well, perfect I, casting, getting Karloff in that role. I've I've, uh,
2: I have a, I've always been pissed off because it was not faithful adaptation. And I saw the uh, Masterpiece Theater I was like, well, if you're anywhere, it's been a lot of that all, right? okay, all right. So, yeah. They decided he wasn't a you're biting people and they were getting, and I was so angry. Did I drop that again?
0: Uh, you
1: got really broken up there. So I wasn't sure what you actually no. said, but I'm sure it was a very, I, good watched
2: Mass- I watched the masterpiece theater on PBS and it was a horrible adaptation of Dracula.
0: Okay.
1: He gave people syphilis instead of drinking their blood. Well, no, that yes, that's unacceptable. Like just So we're clear <laughs> the like the whole thing with Dracula and make like, the argument that it's a metaphor for the plague and things moving in from Eastern Europe and, um, you know, getting people sick and people dying and no one's knowing why that's all there. But turning it to syphilis is just offensive God. to me. <laughs> I'm mad know. at that and I haven't seen it. <laughs> it's taking the vague racism and making it into
3: specific racism.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's where i have a pro, uh, a problem you know keep your racism vague that's what i say all right on to frankenstein cool do you want to tell us about frankenstein Doug? um yeah it's really it's a, a it's, it's really slimmed it's a slimmed down version of the actual frankenstein story where it's just a uh, guy creates monster guy uh gives up on monster real quick when he's not perfect right away um, monster gets himself into some trouble because he doesn't understand how the world works people hunt down monster monster kills man then they re-edit the ending to make sure man didn't die because you know can't have guy die and that's it <laughs> I'm, I, think, I think
3: slimmed down is a little bit of an understatement of what they do to Frankenstein versus the character from the book.
1: Yes, um, this is. I, I actually think it's they do a really good job of compressing the story into a very short time frame because they don't. You can't make a two and a half hour epic in 1931. That just doesn't exist. So, but there's so much taken away, and it's just so oversimplified. Um, I think I like I said, again, I think it works, but I think it is so simplified that it's a little bit insulting to the source material.
3: <laughs> although it it is fascinating how the uh, the mythos of the Frankenstein's monster, you almost have two completely separate chains of it. You have Mary Shelley's story of this <laughs> tortured being. Forcefully brought to life by a madman, you know, and in his <laughs> thirst for normality, you know, and then Universal's
1: fire
3: Frankenstein.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but I I also think when you actually sit down and watch this 1931 film, he is a very sympathetic character. He is just trying to find his way in the world and his childlike lack of understanding is what gets him into trouble it's not there's nothing malevolent about him you know what i mean he's not trying to hurt anyone at any point in time in this movie until he's fighting frankenstein as he's being hunted down you know he's really defending himself more than anything else
3: uh i i will say this so we were talking about name switches in dracula the (laughs) fucking name switches in this movie fucking are like nails on a chalkboard it drives me fucking insane every time I see it because I always forget that they swapped them I don't know why they did it (laughs) I do not know Yes, well supposedly the reason why the names of Henry and Victor were switched is that the producers thought that the name Victor was too harsh and it would make audiences unsympathetic (laughs) toward the doctor and it's like he's
1: he's hes, the, he's, he's the not villain supposed to of the be movie. sympathetic yeah he's, he's the villain <laughs> it's so funny man it's uh, fucking Hollywood Hollywood never changes that's the you can't call him Bruce banner of it's era where you're just like you guys obviously do not mm. understand the, the material you're producing here like please get out of the way and let the artists make it <laughs> like it's and
3: calling Igor Fritz for fuck's sakes so i don't know <laughs> why fucks me up it fucks me up so bad they
1: bring an igor in later in the series right why not just do it now which uh once again dwight fry killing it yeah i think the acting in this is better than in dracula overall agree um, with that. I like i think like every performance kind of nails what they're going for it does a little bit feel like some of them are in a different movie than others, but uh, you know, that that's not a criticism of any of the performances individually, specifically um, Baron Frankenstein. He feels like he's in a bit of a comedy film. <laughs> Nobody else is at all. <laughs> like everybody did, else is. Did anybody else yeah. notice he had a
2: giant, like, uh, like tumor on the back of his neck. No, nope, really. if you looked, if you looked right behind his right ear, he had a, He had something sticking out about the size of a golf ball. Okay. I was like, Jesus Christ. I'm like, I was like, is that a goiter? But that usually comes out from your neck. This is coming up like closer up to his ear. That's terrifying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think I didn't like have cancer. They just didn't know how to diagnose it back then. So they're like, just, just film one from the other side. It'll be fine. It'll be all right. (laughs)
3: Doug and I were talking a little bit earlier, Brian, I, I'm assuming you would know this too. You know that th- this movie was re-released and heavily edited due to the new censorship laws. Oh yeah. And like, they, I guess they fucked it up and it took forever for them to fix it and bring the original yeah. <laughs> prints back.
2: Yeah. Cause the, uh, the, when I was watching because Amanda got home not too long after I started it. So she was watching. We got to the part with the girl by the lake and then uh, the new transfers she was talking about; these transfers look amazing. Like, yeah, we went and saw Nightmare Alley in black and white, and she's like, "This is like some of the scenes where they're running around; it gets a little bit grainier, but otherwise, this looks like this could have been like Nightmare Alley. Like, they could have just turned to black and white and made it like months ago." But when we get to the to the part where they had to edit some scenes back in, specifically throwing the girl like 10 seconds or
1: what yeah that's one of the reasons why i kind of prefer to watch these movies in a grainier format is because you don't get that change it doesn't take you out of the movie as much yeah
3: it's just i always found it fascinating the things they edited they edited the i know what it likes to uh be god line <laughs> they edited the not not him throwing the girl into the water, but the part where she actually hits the water and goes under, which makes that scene make no fucking sense in the other print.
1: Well, it's, yeah, I mean, it leaves it a lot more up to the imagination of the audience as to what actually happened.
3: And they edited it's, it's out most of terrifying. the stuff with the uh, Fritz slash Igor character harassing and torturing Frankenstein, which which fucking fucks the story up. like. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. like that's, you, I mean you, that's you, rob, the story. Him, you rob him of, of of his humanity by doing that because it's like yeah he does he does a bunch of messed up stuff but look at what they did to him and instead it's like oh nope yeah. he's just a monster
1: because yeah they oversimplified I think the biggest mistake of the movie is having them grab the wrong brain at the beginning <laughs> um it's just it's the abnormal brain <laughs> yeah I think that's the that's the whole the flaw of the film for me is like it does it shouldn't matter which brain is in there the whole point is that they mistreat him that they torture him and then they abandon him and leave him to wander on his own without any understanding of the world that's the problem with the monster it's not that his brain isn't working right it's that he's not given an opportunity to succeed because even a lot of what he does later in the movie that's you know quote-unquote troublemaking is it's just him not knowing his own strength and not knowing how to exist That's not his fault. He should have been taught those things. Assholes. Yeah.
3: They, they mess a few things up. Like, uh, and I, I think most versions that I've seen in film of the, the Frankenstein story, they don't do a good job of illustrating the fact that in the book, the, the best friend character, Henry, the, the entire reason why that character is in there is it's supposed to kind of be a mirror of Victor to be like, this is what Victor could be if he wasn't obsessed with his yeah shit. And I, I don't know. I feel like it. It always fails that, and that's kind of important because you're kind of supposed to see the it. It hardens the fact that Victor's choices are all choices. It's not just he's he's a madman and doing things because he's mad. It's he's an egotistical motherfucker and wants to play god
1: well yeah and i find that's in this version specifically they kind of oversimplify it where they act as if he's just gone mad with power kind of thing and it's like no he's actively seeking to do this he's successful and he the minute it's not 100 percent success the minute he doesn't create like a road scholar he fucking just abandons this living creature like he's an asshole You know, he's not just a, it's not just science run amok. He's a fucking asshole. If he'd been a decent human being, we wouldn't have all these problems.
2: Uh, You were mentioning earlier, Doug, about the casting of Boris Karloff. Yeah. Just about how absolutely perfect he is in this role. Yep. Because Jesus
1: Christ, like
2: anytime anybody thinks of Frankenstein, this is like his image is the first thing that
1: pops into anybody's head. For sure. Yeah. It's like, it's, so iconic at this point that I don't think you'll ever be able to make a Frankenstein movie without people directly comparing it and people like when people look at other versions and they complain cause it doesn't look enough like this one. And you're like, well, this one doesn't really look like the book. So if they're adapting the book, yeah, I was going to say you know? in the
3: book, he looks like a
1: dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: The, I mean, the end. He just kind of looks like a dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no square head, no
1: electrodes in his neck. It's the dude. I, I do. I do like the look, too. Like, that's the thing is like, it's not just because it's, you know, the first or whatever. It is a cool look and it works really well. And I think that that's that's one of the reasons why it's so iconic is just because it like go ahead and try to draw something cooler. Than it's hard to come up with anything. Yeah. And the whole uh,
3: the whole association of the Frankenstein monster to electricity is all because
1: of this movie. Yeah, that's there's no connection whatsoever to the book. I don't
3: believe yeah. uh, the the book. They don't even tell you The the book. He basically stitches together a body in his dorm room and just brings it to life somehow. It never explains to anyone okay. how he does it. I mean, and it makes it almost makes kind of a point that in the book, you're kind of seeing things through different perspectives, his notes and that kind of stuff. And he wouldn't have written any of it down because he doesn't want anybody knowing how to do the
1: thing he did. Yeah. So, I mean, but then again, just to, you know, make sure we're not being overly critical of this movie. How amazing is that scene where he, like, lifts the body up and the the lightning strikes and he's the it's alive. It's like, it's so good to watch. Like, it holds up so well after all these years. I don't know. Like, like I'm glad that they felt the need to insert it in the movie. Um (laughs) And it, it, it is so cinematic and just, it, it's perfect. I don't like, it's strange to me that there have been so many adaptations of Frankenstein because I don't know after this, I don't like, what did people think they were going to do? Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, well, well, doesn't the, uh, I, I've never seen it. So doesn't the De Niro one, isn't it electric eels that bring him?
3: Yeah, yeah, electric eels.
1: <laughs> What's wrong with that? That makes total logical it's, sense. It's fine. Um, spoiler alert! We'll discuss it in more detail in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know. Staying on task, like I, I, ju- I just think like this thirty-one version is iconic for all the right reasons. It's like everything holds up. The performances hold up. The sequences, like the action sequences, and that all hold up. Yeah, they're they're a little dated. Yes, when they're running around on the mountain, there's some times where you can see the the backdrop painting that <laughs> like is clearly like there, and you're like okay. But, like what, like, what are you going to do? Like, I wouldn't want to go in and CGI those things out. I'd rather have them there to make sure that everyone knows that this is up its era. But th- I, I can't I can't imagine the idea of casting someone better as this version of the monster than Karloff or Colin Clive as Frankenstein. Like, it's perfect. And they, they really nailed it. And just this whole idea of this, like, poor creature that just... He, doesn't know his own strength. He doesn't know his place in the world. He's just trying to find every time he thinks he's going to have a good day. It just goes wrong for him for reasons that are mostly out of his control. He doesn't really make any bad yeah, decisions.
3: He doesn't, he doesn't have a parent.
1: Yeah. He, you know, it's a, it's a toddler who hurts other kids on the schoolyard because he doesn't understand that he's stronger than them. And it's like, well, you can't really get mad at that kid, right? But creating that... Creating that sympathy in something that looks as horrific as as Karloff does in this movie in 1931, like now we all understand, right? We've all, you know, it's the R2-D2 effect. Like you can make anything uh, a cute human lovable character if you want to now back then just the visual of him looking the way he did would have made audiences inherently think he was evil and apparently made the producers think that that's why they felt the need to like you know make the to soften the doctor because they want the doctor to be the hero of this movie so bad but at the end of the day he's not no matter how you look at this movie the doctor's the villain and the monster's the
3: hero yeah i've always kind of been obsessed with every little detail of this movie like down to uh, the monster's shoes those, those big clompy shoes. Those big platform shoes. Yeah. Well, you know, so so part of his shambly gait that he does throughout the movie, while part of that is owed to Karloff, those shoes weigh 13 pounds apiece. Yeah.
1: That was an interesting thing that they would just do to actors back then. It's just like, we want you to walk funny, so we're going to put 13 pounds in your feet. Good luck. <laughs> right. Well,
3: apparently, I didn't. I didn't know this, but reading up on it, those are some kind of uh, shoe that was designed for asphalt workers. Oh, okay. that are which are the, the reason why the soles are so thick. It was designed so you could walk on hot asphalt, and
1: they were super insulated, so you wouldn't burn your feet. Makes sense. They work in the movie too. They just. I don't know, It adds something weird to his whole appearance and it does help with the way he walks and stuff.
3: And we're only a few years away. So obviously the, the actual story of Frankenstein has been in the public domain for quite a while. But what has not been is Universal's uh, visuals of it. So the square-headed, bolt-necked Frankenstein is a Universal trademark. And that runs out in... Th- Three or four years? Oh, really? Yeah, it's like it's twenty, twenty six or twenty seven. I can't remember which one.
1: That's going to be super interesting to watch all the direct-to-video versions of Frankenstein that come fly, flying out. When they're just... I'm
3: assu- I'm assuming they're going to Disney the fuck out of it, and they're getting ready to do a Universal's uh, a, a new version of Frankenstein that
1: they can then copyright to protect it. Yeah, they keep trying. Their dark universe, or whatever the hell they wanted to call it, it's not going to happen. They're just going to keep failing because they're incompetent.
2: Well, I mean, I feel like they got the Invisible Man decent. I'll have to see if uh, their hands any better.
1: Like the newest, the newest version of Invisible Man. It's not really a retelling of that original story, though. It's
2: completely... It's not, but I mean, it's a universal them doing a new modern version of the story.
3: I guess, yeah. I just what? can't. I th- doing Frankenstein, it's just, I don't get how anybody fucks it up. It's such a great, it's such a great story and it speaks to such basic human emotions. Yeah. That really, as long as you don't make an
1: ugly fucking movie, it should be good. The biggest problem is that too many people want the monster to be the villain and they try to retell the story in a way where he is. And I don't think the story works that way that's not how the story was written it's not how it's designed to be told um i
2: think i brought up penny dreadful before i feel like they they did a pretty good twist on the frankenstein stuff during that show
3: (laughs) well having them having them uh throw you off with uh starting with the uh the second monster oh yeah it was a pretty smart twist (laughs)
2: I just remember being like, what the fuck? Like we thought he was making the first one and it turns out this was actually the second one.
1: It's a fun twist. That's, I mean, the whole element of the Frankenstein story where he wants him to make just, just like, you know what, just make me a girlfriend so we can go live, live off together. That is such a like, it's such a simplistic mindset, but it's also totally understandable.
2: Yeah, as much as I really like this one, it seems like I remember liking Bride of Frankenstein better. It's been a long time since I watched it, though, so I'd be curious to rewatch it.
1: It definitely has a total shift to it. It's got some comedy added. That's like a lot more comedy than this one has. And it's
3: I almost find they fix fix a little bit of the problem in this movie of turning the monster into a shambling idiot because he's just in the book. He's just that's not who the character is.
1: Like he is at first. Yeah, that's the thing is they, when they scaled back the story to try to tell it in an hour and ten and tell it in a way that 1931 filmgoers could understand, they really edited out a lot of the second half of the story where he does, you know, learn and grow, and they just don't have that in this movie, um, which is fine. Like it's it's a decision that I think works in the film, but the the bride storyline then edits a lot of that back in we get a lot of stuff from the original novel told in Bride of Frankenstein that helps him grow into the character that he actually closer to the character that he is in the book which is it's still not really accurate but it's close to them but,
2: then, but then, <laughs> what's the one where Isabella goes he plays him, but he's blind yeah. they, they decided to edit that part of it out to tell you so then
1: yeah, I think that that's in uh, that's in Ghost of Frankenstein. I think. <laughs> Bye. Anyways, anybody else have anything else they want to say about Frankenstein? And it sounds like we're all extremely positive I, on this movie. Is that reasonable? I
3: know. apparent Apparently, so as we talked earlier, for for those of you who don't know the backstory, originally the studio wanted Bill Lugosi to play the monster. Um, and there was another director whose name I can't remember. And that director exited the project because apparently the original script was very, very much monster bad, monster kill. And he didn't okay. like it. And so he quit. And whenever he quit, Bell Lugosi quit. And then they brought in the new director who just hired another writer to rewrite the
2: okay. script. <laughs>
3: Because apparently that first director was too fucking dumb to know that that's just a thing that people do all the fucking time. And it all worked out because this this was Boris
1: Karloff's first movie, right? His first big movie. I mean, it's certainly his most iconic role. I think he had, I don't believe it was his first uh, acting job or anything like that. But I think he became known because of this. That's so what I was thinking. I was
3: thinking he was like a complete unknown
1: whenever this was. I do. Uh, I do love when the, in the credits, because the credits happen at the beginning of movies back then, and it says the monster, and then it just shows a question mark. <laughs> it doesn't tell you his name. Like <laughs> that'll, uh, that'll throw everyone off. So, like they won't know. Uh
2: it looks like he was in lots of stuff beforehand.
1: Yeah. I just don't know if he was a well-known actor. I don't even know what a well-known actor means in 1931.
2: Yeah. He was credited as Indian, 1920, and Last of the Mohicans.
1: That sounds like a very authentic movie that Boris Karloff played an Indian in.
2: <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Shit.
2: He was in like four movies a year, it seems like.
1: Everybody was back then. They, like they made movies so much faster back then. And with the studio system where you were basically just an employee of the studio that was making the movies, they just moved you from one set to the next as needed. Yeah. He was in dynamite. Damn.
2: Jesus Christ. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 movies in
1: 1931. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's insane. No it it goes to show you though, like he was in that many and he still brings this performance to Frankenstein. That's something else. That's like a, a huge compliment to him. Cause he could have just, you know, been a stumbling monster, but he creates a sympathetic character underneath all that makeup. Yeah.
2: yeah, And he was smart too. Like apparently he had a bridge and he just took it out. So that one cheek like sinks in. Just is oh, it that like, amazing like look to the monster
1: yeah it super works i didn't realize that's how he did it but all right anything else Um, the frankenstein monster is like i think one of the most relatable monsters in cinema history and i think that's why this film works so well is because a lot of people especially horror movie fans can understand the idea of like just trying to get by and not feeling like you fit in and you keep getting into trouble even though you don't understand what you've done wrong so I think that it, the, this film nails that element of the character. Yeah.
3: It's just, well, it, once again, as is, is iconic as Dracula is, this movie is such a fucking good movie that it's it's one of those, if somebody told me to make one of those, the Chin horror movies you've got to see before you fucking die, bullshit <laughs> type things. Like Brian does for a living? Like Brian does for a living? <laughs> yeah. Uh, i i think this would have to go on the fucking list
1: yeah i mean i mean i can't imagine it wouldn't and i think i think the big difference between the two is probably that script rewrite that james will apparently had done and they just do a much better job of condensing the story and getting the the core elements out of it rather than trying to hit the beats than dracula does i think that's why this is a better a better standalone movie um but, I mean, also it's the the character itself. The Frankenstein monster is so much more likable than Dracula is, no matter what version of the movies that you're going to talk about. Uh, Plus think,
3: that that ending, man. Cutting cutting off the bit where they had to show that fucking the doctor
1: wasn't dead. <laughs> it's, yeah. this is this is where Noah brings up Nightmare City. If anyone's waiting for that at part of the podcast.
3: <laughs> oh man, I'll t- you know what would make this movie better if fucking if that mannequin hit a bunch of bars on the way down, I'd <laughs> be real happy.
1: When when it's going around when the windmill's going around though and the body's like hanging off of it, I'm like, it's so fun to watch. It's I mean it's such an obvious like dummy, but you know. What do you do?
2: Well I think we all know why Doug relates to this movie so much. Why is that? Because from the monsters perspective, people are dicks and fire bad. You're
0: an asshole.
2: All right, what's everybody watched since
3: last week? Uh, not a lot. I I was catching up on the the Cobra Kai.
1: still haven't watched it. So we'll hold off on that till Bryant's watched it.
2: It's gonna be within the next week or
1: two. There's just so much stuff out. It's hard to watch everything
2: now. It is a couple
3: a couple references that I kind of wasn't expecting. I was like, oh okay, Mm -hmm. Little, little homages to other uh young karate. Movies, I'm down with it.
2: Finally, oh, do the three ninjas crossover I've been hoping for. Oh my god, no, they haven't done that. But now that I,
3: now that you've said it out loud,
2: only if Hulk Hogan comes back to play his villain role from part two. Oh Jesus, I don't
1: think we can do that. I think we can. I absolutely think we can.
2: I'm sure they still got that hairpiece somewhere. If they.
3: Wasn't Leslie Nielsen the bad guy in the first movie? Can't they just wheel his corpse out? Was that's
1: Leslie Nielsen the f- bad guy in the first I don't know if that's true or not, but I know that wheeling. No, his sorry, that's Nielsen.
3: That no, that was that was Surf Ninjas.
1: All okay. right. I'm, I'm mildly relieved. <laughs> watch anything besides
2: Cobra Kai? No. Uh,
3: I did. Oh yeah, I watched Murders in Rue Morgue since. Uh, we're watching all these early Universal movies. I figured I would just throw another Legosi in there. Uh, in which that movie is famous because of Legosi's fucking insane eyebrows. She has... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is as, as much as they, the effort that Universal put into the Frankenstein monster to make it perfect, they just, they just fucked Bela Lugosi's face up in <laughs> Murder's <and> Remark. <sighs> That's funny. But yeah, it's, it's fine. It's one of those ones. There's a, there's a, there's kind of a reason why it's not in the, the, uh, the lexicon. As much as the the standard monster movies are, but it's still good. I don't think I've ever seen that one. Uh, and then that's that's it. I mean, there's like three movies out in the theaters right now that I really want to see. I just haven't had a chance to get to them. Got to go see Barbarian. I saw Barbarian. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well, good. Tell me, tell me how
1: good Barbarian is. Is it good? It's um, pretty good. I, it's really impossible to discuss it without drastically spoiling it.
3: I was going to say the trailer gives
1: away nothing. It is. Um, I, the one thing I will say about it, that trailer is amazing because it got me hooked, made me want to see the movie and didn't, didn't even spoil who like the biggest star of the movie that shows up in the movie is. I mean, how good is that? So credit to those people. Um, they, they did a great job marketing the film and, i'll tell you this say, no i'm like, guessing
3: i'm guessing that entire trailer takes place in the first 10 minutes of the movie you'd, i would say for most of it does yeah. You
1: know, yeah frame for frame but yeah and so they do a really good job of, of getting you in um and i don't know, see it i was hoping we'd get to talk about it because i know like brian wanted to talk about it last week <laughs> but uh i i don't i i won't talk about it without um without you seeing yeah. it yeah so
2: it's something we need to throw up a spoiler warning for because it's... Yeah. It's, it's just so much better if you go in not knowing anything about it.
1: Yeah. Definitely go in not knowing anything. Maybe we'll kick no off at the end and you and I can talk about it at the <laughs> <brain>. <laughs> The
2: fact that you've seen the trailer, you've almost know too much art.
3: I feel like that with most movies. I actually appreciated that trailer and the fact that I felt like the movie wasn't ruined.
1: Oh, it's no, definitely it, not. It's, it's definitely not. Um, like I say, I... I am flabbergasted by how good that trailer is for getting you hooked without having to reveal anything. So
2: now I will say, don't get too overhyped because I do know people that went and saw it and was like, that's it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Maybe it's just, it's just not even knowing what he's about. Just going, going for the ride.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, we're going to do that after. After we like at the end of the show, we'll uh, we'll kick Noah off, and you and I'll discuss it for the listeners. right? Seems, seems harsh, but okay. Well, he doesn't have to leave, but I don't. I don't want to I mean, discuss it without. That's fine uh, if you guys want to talk about it, and then we can just talk about it again next week if Noah sees it. it
3: and then the other, I mean, the other one I really want to see is that. Don't worry, darling, which looks like some kind
1: of a uh, play on the Stepford Wives, but different. Yeah, I. uh, I was trying to go see that when I went to see Barbarian, but the theater was like pretty full and I didn't want to go there by myself when I sit beside like a bunch of couples that were out on date night. So yeah, Barbarian's a lot more empty. I'll go see that one.
2: Yeah, I'm going to try. Me and Amanda sometimes do double feature days where we just go see two movies. Yep. So maybe we'll go see Smile and then uh, Don't Worry Darling. Smile, yeah, I forgot. I forgot Smile's out too. Comes out on
3: right smiles smiles one of those ones i have mixed feelings about because it falls into the uh this category of modern supernatural movies that i just for some reason they don't hit me in the same spot that they seem to hit other people like the, the Babadook and like all that kind of shit i just don't i don't fucking get it
2: i wasn't a fan of the babadook Already I had this enjoy, argument. I, I did enjoy It Follows though, which I feel yeah. like this has a lot in common. Yeah,
3: see, and like It Follows, I get it. I kinda get why people like it. I just didn't I didn't think it's that good of a fucking movie.
1: It follows, I just think was overrated. Um I mean, in the sense that I think people like hyped it up so much and I like I really like it and it's very, very good and extremely well made. But people talked about it like it was the greatest thing to ever be made. And you're I think a lot of people going into it with that hype were like, well, that's it kind of thing. I feel like just
3: just the premise turned me off. Whenever somebody's like, dude, it's like a it's like a ghost demon thing, but it's sexually transmitted like a like VD, and it's like, oh, that sounds like some dumb edge lord bullshit.
1: <laughs> I don't give a fuck about that. Well, In that case, there wasn't much hope for the movie from your perspective.
2: (laughs) I just like the underlying sense of dread that no matter where you are in the world, there's something that's walking directly towards you.
3: See that I I like that. I like, and I like curse movies or, you know, it's just the, you know, the curse will get you eventually. There's just something about the way it was presented in that movie that just fucking put me off
1: what did you watch, Doug? Um, let's see. I watched, uh, the new Dahmer miniseries on Netflix or yeah. oh, limited yeah. series or whatever. I'm watching that one. It's of course. Char
2: Does. Cause that's what she watches. Yeah. <laughs> but right. other but, horror movies,
3: right. she, she gets <laughs> mad if I watch a fucking horror movie, but she'll watch the whole Dahmer series.
1: <laughs> well, it's a nice compromise for you. Cause it's pretty horrific. Um, um spoiler alert he kills and eats people um i guess probably most people know that about Jeffrey Dahmer she yeah. was speaking of which i was like
3: bored the other day and i was just watching like house cuz okay. that's one of those shows that i can kind of just veg out and watch cuz fucking Hugh Laurie's such a fucking bastard
2: oh, okay there's something i was going something- to ask how sue house or the tv show house
3: no no the tv show house you you gotcha. laurie as drug addict drug addict doctor bastard house sure. that that one sure. and even that she kept walking into the room right whenever they would do like a surgery scene or something which it's i mean it was on fucking basic cable it wasn't graphic you know what well, i mean but there would even... be blood in a needle or something and she'd be like god damn it why are you watching this shit i'm like it's house
2: <laughs> like, it, was, it wasn't even basic cable that shit was on Fox yeah that's what I'm saying like it's not it's not
1: graphic well um, <laughs> it's gonna be funny then if she watches Dahmer because it, it's not particularly graphic but if if house is graphic to her then probably Dahmer is too Um. yeah I'm excited
2: but, to check it out because I think Evan Peters Dahmer is like fantastic
1: cast he is so fucking good like he's yeah. great he nails, like, the accent and just the, I don't know, the weird mannerisms and stuff. Because, I mean, obviously there's been tons of footage of Jeffrey Dahmer over the years. And I, like, remember the case briefly from when I was a kid. Because he didn't, he got busted, I think it was, like, 91. Like, so it's a year old. We were old enough that, like, it was in in our knowable lifetime. and It's,
3: it's funny that I can never remember any details of it. Just because there's been so many weird white dudes that have killed and ate somebody, yeah. <laughs> they all kind of blur together.
1: Well, and that's the one thing that this show does, because it's 10 episodes long, right? And what that gives you time, it gives them time to get into all those details. And like, obviously, there's there are several very famous incidents with Dahmer that everyone knows about. But there's um, this gives you time to kind of like we there's a whole episode that's dedicated to one of the victims. Um, and it's extremely well done. So, um, I mean, I guess it, the only, I mean, the only complaint I would have about it is yeah. Like when it starts off and the whole show is about this other guy, you're like, I bet you Jeff's going to kill him. Like, (laughs) it's not like you can't really hide the fact, but it's really, really well done. Um, it takes time to like show the impact on like Dahmer's family of all this stuff that's happening and his interactions um with his father and like it it delves into like his father's like feelings of guilt around what happened and you're like oh yeah right like it had probably had a huge impact on his family like nobody stops and thinks of them as sort of like the secondary victims um because everyone thinks about like you know the the actual victims and then the families of those victims but it's like there's a lot more people affected by that there's a One of Jeffrey Dahmer's neighbors is a main character and it really gets into like the impact this had on her life. And you're like, oh, yeah, right. Like, I guess like complaining about a smell and then later finding out that that's human bodies decomposing in the apartment next door probably fucked you up, wouldn't it? Like, so it gets into all that stuff uh, really a lot more in depth than most of these types of things do. It's not just about the killer. It's about the story surrounding the killings. So I thought that was really well done. It does have some time jumpy shit in it that I was just like, why are we doing that? Don't time jump. Just tell the story linearly. That's how you tell stories. It doesn't make any sense. But especially when you've got the same actor playing him at different ages. And I get confused because I can't remember which age he had a mustache and which age he didn't. But yeah, yeah, overall, really, really well done. Really impressive acting from Peters. From I don't know the name of the actor that played his dad. All the memes online are pointing out that apparently he was also the dad and stepbrothers. So,
2: wow. Richard, it's Richard Jenkins.
1: That that is right. Yeah, oh. he's he's really solid in this. Um, so he was
2: also the uh, caretaker and let me in.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, he's great. So he's yeah. Um, oh, and one of the uh, tech guys in uh, Cabin in the Woods.
1: No now now I think I'm thinking of the wrong guy. It doesn't matter. Anyways. <laughs> I'm gonna stop trying to guess at his career. Um, do you wanna keep guessing? We're going to, to what the show <laughs> Anyways, really good performance from whoever the dad is. Um, really interesting the ways that they actually tell the story and sort of show they delve into the different theories of why Dahmer did what he did, even though nobody really knows, but they kinda hint at all of them. Or he was- several of them
2: yeah it is richard jenkins okay. he was on everything i just said okay he's a fantastic actor i mean he's got amazing
1: range obviously all right um okay so um i don't know that's it i guess it's it's really in-depth really solid performances it's, it's creepy as shit but it, i mean it's about a guy that eats people It really does a good job. The one thing I would say that I think most Jeffrey Dahmer documentaries don't spend enough time on is pointing out how long he went between various killing sprees, um, which is something that I think makes him worse to me. It's like, you know, it's the idea that like he killed his first victim and then like years later he was like killing people. He lived at his grandmother's house and then years later is when he had like the infamous apartment with like where he was trying to make zombies and all that kind of weird shit. Um, but, uh, there's something about the fact that he like took breaks that makes it so much worse for me. I don't know why, but I think the the show does a good job of showing that. So
3: (laughs) all
1: right. So that's a recommend when Noah's watched it, we'll probably talk about it again. Um, the only other thing I watched, I rewatched the 2011 version of Fright Night. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen that since theaters. Man, it's it's really good. Uh, it's so weird to say that a remake of Fright Night from 2011 is good. Like my instinct isn't to believe that, but it it is. Um, you have to kind of like not directly compare it to the original because if you do that, you're gonna yourself into that corner of like going well they did this wrong and that wrong and they changed this element of the story and stuff but really fun performances from everybody involved that uh maybe sad again because that Anton Yelchin kid is like the lead and I'm like oh yeah. I remember when he was like the big up and coming guy and then you know obviously that can't be anymore fucking jeeps um, I got thinking too like looking at him in this movie and like his performance I'm like I bet you he'd have been Peter Parker if he'd if he'd been like age appropriate still when they were looking for one and he was you know alive. Um, but yeah, I mean it's I don't know what's it like like Marty Noxon did the script. She's famous like for being a, a Buffy writer. She does a really good job of making it like a fun script without turning it into like Buffy. Like they don't speak the way the characters in that show did or anything like that. Um, I think. Yeah, I mean, Colin Farrell as the updated version of Jerry Dandridge is actually like really good casting as much as I'm not like necessarily the biggest fan of the idea of of that type of a character, the sort of like, um, cool guy. That's all dark and mysterious. Like it's weird to me that people like get into that, but I also think he's really good at doing it. Yeah. Um, and you know, like, I have some issues with with the film, namely too much CGI. Um, just it's just it's clearly a case of them saying, "Oh, we could do this," so they do. And some of the t- some of the times it's unnecessary. Um, and then the other issue is like the David Tennant character, who's the Peter Vincent. He's uh, at the end of the movie when he like joins the team and he goes into the fight and stuff, which is so I guess spoiler alert in case anyone's seen not seen either version of these <laughs> movies, but. Um, Like, I like him there, but the early stages where he's playing this, like, Vegas stage magician who's an expert on the occult. And I'm just like, I don't like that character. It's just annoying and boring. And it's just I don't want it. It does give uh, it, 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 it does lead to some fun moments because he lives in this, like, giant, like, penthouse above, like, one of the casinos in vegas and he's got this collection of like old weapons and stuff so then when a fight breaks out there we get to see them all like smashing the cases open and just pulling out different weapons you get to see the the one girl pulls out some silver bullets and shoots the colin Farrell character and he just kind of looks and goes that's that's werewolves like (laughs) it's pretty funny
2: yeah it's weird because seeing him in doctor who and then hearing like oh he's doing the roddy mcdowell role the new friday night you're like, oh, shit, that's perfect. But that? now you're doing like a Chris
1: thing. Yeah, it's completely different. And I guess to some extent it's better to make it completely different when you're doing a remake because if you try to make it too much like the other one, you're going to fucking just piss people off and you're going to alienate your audience. Whereas here they created a new version of the character that works, I guess, for the most part. i you think of McLovin as uh, Evil Ed. I mean, it's the most obvious casting in the world, right? <laughs> it's really It's fine. Um, he has a much more diminished role in this than in the original. And he's fine for what they ask him to do. I like him. His version of being a vampire is very whiny. And it's like... I guess, I guess more specific spoiler alert at one point, his arm gets cut off and he's just like my arm. Are you kidding me? Like, he's just like stomping his feet angry. <laughs> and it's like, that's pretty funny. I like that. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it, it, again, it's, I don't want to oversell the movie. I don't want to act like it's the greatest thing ever, but I was just I'm like, Oh yeah. Like what a fun movie. And what, a like, a well done remake which we don't get very many well done remakes so I'm glad that this one is yeah, I
2: remember I annoyed that they were doing it then I remember watching it and be like oh that I actually enjoyed it yeah and, uh, it's sort of different and you don't have to
1: compare the two yeah. it does have a couple of fun homages to the original in it there's a couple of character outfits where you're like oh yeah and like a couple of shots where you're like clearly they were like you know, watching the original and going in and trying to recreate that shot. Um, what's, is it Chris Sarandon that played the Jerry Dandridge has a little cameo, which is fun. Yeah.
2: Just just, apparently was his, I was his, yeah. I think Jerry should kill me. He was all about it.
1: Yep. So I don't, I feel like I'm overselling this movie, but I was just—I was—it was literally like I couldn't sleep one night, so I'm like, "Well, what's like on one of the streaming services that's like benign, something that I won't be angry about or won't get worked up about?" And I threw it on, and then I ended up watching the whole thing, and then, now I'm happy. So, but that is it. What uh, what did you watch, Brian? Keeping in mind that we may or may not hear what you have to say about stuff. Uh, so. Someone-
2: Dustled Dawn Horror Night. Oh, yeah. And uh, the only thing I watched, um, Spiv, which was fantastic to watch. At the My only point is they didn't hand it out to, uh, when they entered. So I guess it wouldn't make much sense at night at a driving, but whatever. It's super fantastic. As always. Uh, and then they follow that up with Friday 13 Part 4, the Thumbman one. Um, and that was a lot of fun to see. Uh, um, I don't know. It's like one of the best Fridays. So
1: that's it's a, what. It, part four is like comfort food. It's just exactly what you think a Friday the Thirteenth movie is going to be. You just sit back and yeah. watch it and just feel at home.
2: And uh, I don't know. Well, I was driving. Now, like nobody sits in their car anymore. Everybody sits outside and yeah. see. I'm saying you could just hear the entire drive in like laughing. <laughs> and uh, so, uh really enjoyed it. I had to try to explain to some at the end of part three. Come on, yeah. Uh, um if the two classics uh if nobody's ever seen pieces before, rush out and watch. It's fantastic.
1: Yeah, that's good advice
2: taking place on a U.S. college campus. Some reason has had some guy in the middle of it. for um, But essentially a slasher killing women for various reasons. And he keeps using a chainsaw, but nobody can seem to figure out who it is. For the uh, Ludo and the Hop movie back in the looks. Of course, Shifty is all fucked up. And so if just should have I feel like that's the perfect movie. Was *D* which is also known as *Zombie Holocaust*, which I
1: I, would, I also do recommend. You're breaking up a lot, Brian. So I don't know <laughs> how this is coming <laughs> across. <laughs> Fucking technical difficulties. I was driving. It was good. <laughs> You're gonna have fun editing this episode. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the
2: truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. <laughs>
1: Doug, what are we doing next week next week um jumping right ahead to the next round of frankenstein and dracula films and uh two that i'm revisiting even though i'm hesitant to do so because it's hammer time we'll do a uh, horror of dracula and curse of frankenstein which I am not necessarily fans of, but I kind of want to check them out again because people keep telling me I'm wrong and I got to figure out if they're right or if I'm right. So I might put myself in a bad mood next week. We'll see. Christopher
2: Lee, you're fishing next week.
1: Yeah, I'm bad. If I don't like these movies. Well, I'm going to end up watching like Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell just so I can watch the fucking crazy ones. You don't want to watch, uh... Was it a kaiju one we watched? No, I don't need to watch that again. Although it was one of my favorite kaiju movies. you am going to try it with but you know what do you think brian said uh i think he said work
3: right <laughs> work right isn't that like the name of a flashlight company I, th- I think he was saying that you two are going to uh talk about that movie but since he keeps uh bouncing
1: out he doesn't know if it will work right oh okay when you piece it together like that makes a lot more sense it might not work i don't know what we're gonna do how do we end
3: the show Although now he dropped out. I don't know if he's coming back.
1: <laughs> oh, when's he getting his new internet? Maybe that's the problem. Maybe. Should I message him? Well, let's give him a minute. See if he pops back in. If he's restarting his computer again or something, he'll let us know. But I don't know. I don't know if he's coming back.
3: Me either. I guess you will just I have know. to wait another week for your barbarian discussion.
1: God damn it. I'm going to forget everything about that movie by then. That's what happens. I'm just like, while well, we wait, I'm just trying to see if we can figure out how Coolio died, but I don't know if they've uh, announced a cause of death yet, so. At least not in the headlines. Um,
3: uh, I'm going to assume maybe he got smoked by some fool. Or, or Brian maybe or Coolio? Maybe he
1: smoked a fool. That's possible. He does seem like the kind of guy that would smoke a fool. Um, are we giving up on Brian? Is that what's happening right now? I I guess so. <laughs> i don't
3: what? i don't know what well folks to do. we'll be here next week maybe
1: maybe we'll see well we will be if, if brian if brian comes back or not it's question the mark. question mark is brian yeah we don't know it's possible he's in a gang war with coolio and it's cost him his life
3: <laughs> that's that's what happened he started off the show talking shit about coolio not realizing <laughs> that coolio runs this shit <laughs> <He's> just,
0: <laughs>
3: coolio had somebody
1: show up at his house oh well you talking shit about a Coolio? Bap, bap,
2: bap. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.
0: And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.